Hello everyone, welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and we are here at the last episode of the month. We are almost through November. I can't even believe how fast the year is going by, but, you know, um, I'm sure with everything that is going on with the holidays coming and the new year approaching, so many of us are trying to, you know, just catch up with life and figure out what we want to do and how we want to do things, especially as the new year is approaching. So one of the things I wanted to remind you about, because I get questions all the time about how to connect with our guides, how to improve practice with our energy work, how to trust your intuition, all of these things. And you can join the Alchemy Circle and get access to my Intuitive Mastery class, all 12 modules, as well as some other tools um, and other classes that will support you in your process of energetic alchemy. So don't forget, you can join us in the Alchemy Circle. Just go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com for more information. You know, we have all of these goals and things that we say we want to do, and we just don't make the time. So just a reminder to make the time for you and your practice. Okay, well, speaking of that, today we have a beautiful episode with a woman named Lisa Erickson, who is the author of Chakra Empowerment for Women. And we had a really beautiful conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear about her work. She really goes deep into how chakra energy corresponds with different cycles of life. And more specifically, we talk about the different cycles that women go through, whether it's menstruation, pregnancy, menopause, perimenopause, um, postpartum. All of these different cycles and how it ties into our chakra empowerment. So Lisa and I discuss working with your chakra energy and how this can support you through these life cycles, as well as traumas that may cause disassociation with the body. So it was a very interesting conversation, and I can't wait to hear what comes up for you afterwards. Then, if you want to learn more about Lisa and her work as well as her book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, be sure to go to her website, enlightenedenergetics.com. Okay, so get comfortable, sit back, and enjoy the show. Okay, so welcome everyone to this episode of Reiki Radio. We have a beautiful guest today, Lisa Erickson, who is the author of Chakra Empowerment for Women. So first, I want to thank you for being here, Lisa. Well, thank you. I am so happy to be here, and I really honor your work in the world too, including doing this podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sure you know, and anyone who listens to the show knows, there's nothing that excites me more than being able to hear the stories and the work of other people, what people are sharing out in the world. And I have to say to everyone, um, I'm very excited about this conversation because of the uh, focal point of your work. So before we talk about chakra empowerment for women, could you just give us a little background about you and the work you do and how you got into this realm? 
I'm an energy worker and I really have come to specialize in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing. And I'm defining women's energetics as specifically focusing in on energy body patterns in women and especially those that tie to our life phases, uh, our monthly cycles and then pregnancy, perimenopause, menopause, postpartum, all of those because just as there are physical components of those, there are energetic components of those phases, and we can really learn to work with those. So that's one aspect. And then because I work with so many women, and sexual trauma healing has also become a specialization because I just had over the years an influx of women who were, this was part of their history, and they were working to heal from this. So That's a really, and that's the thing I think is so cool about this, right? Because um, looking at not just our life cycles, but just even what you said, the energetic patterns of it all. But I think of a lot of times within my own cycle, there are certain times where you think like, oh, I'm this way during this particular time, but we don't also notice what our history is contributing into these different patternings that we have. So with that, um, I know that your book is called Chakra Empowerment for Women. Can we just talk a little bit first of all, because you did share with me, a lot of your work is centered for people who are um, identify as women. Why is this such an important topic for you, dealing with the trauma and the healing for people who identify as women? Well, it's really about the phase of history that we're in from my perspective, right? We have this rebalancing of masculine and feminine that is occurring. And it's happening in phases. And we have the different phases of feminism. There's a lot written about that. But for the most part, it has centered around giving women access to types of power that they didn't, that they were restricted from, right? Financial, social, cultural, etc. But uh, I think there has been somewhat of an imbalance in the sense that there's been a lot of focus on women owning their masculine power, not as much focus on men owning their feminine power. And all of this kind of work contributes to this rebalancing. We're all this little node in the matrix. So really on a more abstract level, I'm working with women to help you know, further their empowerment on this energetic level. But it's really about balancing the masculine and feminine inside. And a lot of that has to do with healing the feminine. And as that occurs, it reverberates out. It impacts men as well. Those who identify as men, again, I do think it mostly has to do with where you fall on this energetic spectrum has to do with how you identify. Right. Um, yeah, and so it's really part of this larger shift that's happening for men and women. And that's really, in my mind, the larger context of the work. You know, And every time a woman heals the wounds of sexual trauma in particular, because in a way, this is the ultimate disempowerment because it is it wounds the center of our power in the sense of the second chakra, which we'll get into later. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's why it's so key, that particular component as well. And healing the, um, the cultural darkness, right, that enables sexual abuse mm -hmm. and uh, assault. It's really key, right? Why do we have such a denigration of the female in particular? And of course, there are male sexual abuse survivors. Yes. But for, uh, it's, it's vastly skewed towards male abusers of female victims. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, speaking of spectrums, even um, mentioning 
sexual trauma. It makes me think of a lot of times people hear that and don't think that it necessarily applies to them because we tend to only think of sexual trauma with some form of sexual abuse that was, you know, put in a very particular end, more on the extreme end of the spectrum, right? But have you found that in the work that you do, there is a spectrum even to the sexual trauma? I mean, even if it has to be around um, not loving the body or having regret for past sexual encounters, even if they were consensual, like different layers to it. Yeah, I think, and also the impact of shame. So sometimes I'll work with women who will say, well, no, no one, no one in my family abused me physically, but I was shamed for my sexuality or there was uncomfortable moments where comments were made or things like that, that I really internalized as denigrating my sexuality. And it, it um, wounded my relationship to my own sexual energy in a way that disempowered me. Right. So I think whether that you call that trauma or not, it doesn't really matter. It has a lot of the same characteristics. And it's again, kind of a spectrum within that work as well. Mm -hmm. uh, sexual harassment, times when women feel objectified, or as you said, consensual sexual relationships or consensual sex, which feels somehow uncomfortable and doesn't feel like intimacy. And we can't quite put our finger on it, but it doesn't feel like intimacy and sharing. It feels disempowering, it feels objectifying. And that has its own impact. And so, yes, it is about releasing all of that and being able to step into your sexual power in a different way, for sure. Yeah, because I know with a lot of all kinds of traumas that we experience in life, and I mean, you know, run the gamut, right? It yeah. also creates a lot of times a disconnection from our bodies. So I imagine, you know, especially because you're doing um, a lot of work with focus on the chakra, there must be this process of coming back into to reclaim the body that adds to this work as well. So I want to ask you, so people have a clearer picture about this. Before we go into just the chakra piece, how have you brought in or recognized the importance or significance of these life cycles that we have? And can you talk about what those are? Yeah, well, I kind of have to talk about the map, the chakra differences that I see and again, it's a spectrum, it's not absolute. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, if you go into a lot of the tantric teachings, shamanic teachings, even teachings in which there are energy body mappings that they're not called chakras, because that's a Sanskrit word, but there are energy body mappings, you know, throughout the world, right. what you find reverberated over and over is this idea that for women, the pelvic chakra, which in the seven chakra system, most of us are familiar with in the West is often considered the second chakra, that womb chakra, is the center of our power. It's our power base as opposed to the root and that the, our untapped energy is actually pooled there. When you then consider then, you can kind of consider in the larger context why uh, the denigration of our sexual power is almost a double wounding because it's hitting right at the base of our power in a way. And sometimes people, women are uncomfortable, especially modern women, I don't even use the word womb power or womb chakra because women feel as if they're then being defined according to their procreative energies. And that is not what this is about at all. Right. We're talking about the energetic center there that is the center for both men and women of creativity, fluidity, uh, sensuality, emotions, uh, intimacy, and sexuality, right? All of those fluid kinds of energies. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to relate as a woman 
who those are your dominant energies for that to just be a, ba a balanced center of your power any more than every man has to be an expression of root chakra energy, right? right? It doesn't work that way, but work, it really means that working with that chakra is particularly important and that our grounding actually comes from that chakra even more than the root. Um, and so the, 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 the impact of this then is that we, um, our energy body kind of waxes and wanes somewhat in tune with our reproductive cycles because at the, the level of the energy body physical connection, our second chakra is linked to our ovaries, to our endocrine system through our ovaries, through that cycle. So our energy body shifts very dramatically when we begin to menstruate in our teen years. Every month it waxes and wanes, it becomes uh, more open and emanating as we head into our ovulation and then it becomes more inward and sensitive as we head into our it's really like it opens out it's like a flower it opens out it closes down it opens out it closes down with our cycle when we're pregnant it's like there's no monthly cycle and it's getting more and more and more open because it's actually a doorway to primordial source right it's the spiritual doorway for life uh, our vagina is the physical doorway. The second chakra is the spiritual doorway. Birth occurs at both levels, right? But you can also open the second chakra in that way through creativity, right? Pregnancy is just one way of experiencing it. Then in perimenopause and menopause, it becomes this, it's like it's shooting out energy as we um, redefine. This is a whole different uh, topic, which I'm sure you'll want to get into more later from what you mentioned. But during perimenopause, menopause and menopause, we have this whole energy body shift that occurs where there's a tremendous amount of karmic clearing occurring. And if we can meet that head on, it's truly an awakening. And moving into our postmenopausal years, the wisdom years, right, truly is that. It's coming into this level of power that is in a way spiritualizing our body because we're not dependent on our cycles anymore postmenopause. So it's very interesting, these energetic that was a lot in one answer, but that's no. kind of a short version. Now we can unpack it in pieces, but that's kind of the essence of the work. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I'm smiling because there are a few things you reminded me of in what you shared. One, it reminded me of uh, lunar cycles because you were saying the waxing, the waning, and then that connection there. But also you reminded me of like the triple moon goddess, you know, mother, I mean, maiden mother crone. Mm -hmm. and the um, cycles that we go through and how they correlate to even our life experience. You know, the, mm, I guess with what you said, it makes me think of the maturation or the development of our emotional body as we go through life, because we tend to think of um, maturity just in a very limited way, I guess you would say. So with all of this, when you bring in the component of our different life cycles, and then you're looking at the energetic mapping with the chakras, how does this support us with like where we are now? Where do we start when we come into your work? Yeah, well, okay. So there's kind of two different components to that. So in the, in, with the chakra work I'm doing, specifically in this book, I'm really trying to make the chakras accessible in our daily lives. Like we work with, there's, there's spiritual traditions that are really about bringing energy through the chakras to experience spiritual states and experience yourself as light. Then there's the healing traditions where you're really focused on 
what's the energetic component of this particular physical symptom that you are experiencing? Mm -hmm. And then there's the psychological side of the chakras. And that's more where I am, the emotional work. When you are nervous and you have a physical reaction to that, your adrenals start pumping out uh, more cortisol, cortisol and you're, you're nervous, you're shaky, right? What energy do you need to bring through in that moment? Well, in general, you need root chakra ending energy that is grounding and stabilizing to your physical body. And perhaps you need navel chakra energy, which is centering and focusing, right? And confidence building gives you a sense of self. So it's, you can really train yourself to be able to bring those energies straight through in the moment and have them infuse your body and have an instant moment of calm, right? It's just another tool. There's many tools out there, but that's part of what I'm trying to do in this book is how do you help train people and how do you bring forth the energies you need right as you need them in your daily life in a moment. Within that context, you can work with your cycles and based on where you are in your life, there may be ways you tweak the way you're working. At one point in your menstrual cycle, you're going to be, uh, you're going to uh, work with it in a different way. If you happen to have, if you can schedule a job interview closer to ovulation, I actually recommend that, right? Because <laughs> you're very charismatic. There's this external energy. If you can't, then you just have to know that, oh, I'm going to be feeling inward feeling and I have to project. So what energies do I need to particularly bring up within myself to counter the fact that I'm feeling very inward feeling and I actually have to be extroverted today? Or what, how can I help boundary myself? What energies can I bring forth to help boundary myself because I'm feeling very sensitive? Does that make sense? Yes. So it's kind of like putting the chakra work together with your cycle work and figuring things out. In the bigger picture about in personal growth, it's, you know, it's kind of more abstract. It's like if you're in a particular phase of your life, how do you maximize your ability to, to understand what's going on and, and grow within it? You know, um, when you're saying that, it reminds me of, and I'll have to find the link to send it to you. There's a woman who did a photography series of taking pictures of herself every day to look at what she looked like during, throughout her cycle. And for example, I think at the point of ovulation where she looked more attractive, like uh, physically, there was a shift that occurred, you know, again and again throughout her um, process of her cycle. So it's very interesting. And um, I think that also would be so helpful for, you know, a lot of us feel, or, you know, women get uh, labeled as like moody and crazy, or even if you're in a bad mood, people will say like, oh, you must be, it's that time of month, just all of these things. And so it seems very empowering to then recognize your own cycle, your own phases, and then how you get to work within that. But I want to know, so with your work, do you focus primarily on the lower chakras or is it a process of aligning them from root to crown? Yeah, it is a process of aligning them root to crown ultimately, but depending on someone's history, I find that most women need to spend a considerable amount of time on the lower chakras. Mm -hmm. And it has to do a lot with some things you, you talked about earlier and including just now with our attitudes towards menstruation, the denigration of the female body and female cycles. Right. If you've, if you've experienced any sort of trauma, there's even more of that. You know, you mentioned disassociation, patterns of not being fully in your body because there's fear around it or shame associated with it. And then even if you are kind of fully in your body, there can be attitudes of dislike of your cycle and all of that, which inhibits your ability to really work with it, right? So there often is a lot of work that has to be done in the first three chakras first before someone can go upward. 
and I know what I find, and this may be, maybe you find this in your work too. The people that come to me, they're spiritually oriented, they're energetically oriented, they love the upper chakras. Everyone wants to work on the heart. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, come in body first. Yeah, I'm like, we'll get there, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like balancing that. Yeah, we've got to dig down in there and um, heal our relationship to our body. And the reason I like chakra work is because it is right at that intersection between spirit and body. So you right. can work with both at the same time. Um, yeah. And even with the terminology that you used at the very beginning, energy mapping, I think the chakra system is a beautiful way. It gives us a nice process and flow that is, um, you know, it shows us the steps that can be taken in order to support us in the best ways, I think. So it's one of the reasons I love um, the chakra system as well for that. But I wanted to ask you, so when people come to you for work, is it that they're coming because of trauma or, you know, different situations in life, and then you use this? Or is it, does it tend to be people who want to do shock or work very specifically? It's really both. So I have a lot of people, especially in the, among, among my sexual trauma survivor clients, they've tried a lot of things, and some of them may not be familiar with the chakras or energy work at all. Mm-hmm. But they're looking for something else to complement. And, and often I find I have women who have done a lot of talk therapy. And they're like, I understand my triggers. I practice mindfulness. I still find myself trapped in them. Is there anything more we can do, right? And so we're just trying to bring in that energetic component and look at it from that perspective, like these deeper level of mappings and patterns that we have written in. And can we get in there and work with them and give them some more tools? So it's often complementary work. Then uh, some women are coming to me specifically because they want chakra work. Often they're in a life transit. They mm-hmm. just had kids. I do a lot of work with the mother-child energy line and with menopause, right? These are two big life transit. Having kids or perimenopause and menopause that women often are looking for another perspective on and may or may not be new to the chakras. And I, I want to ask you this too, and I, I just don't want to forget because it's come to mind a few times and I keep forgetting to ask you this, but I imagine, you know, for a lot of us, we don't realize we're not in body, right? I mean, because we're functioning. So a lot of people don't, that sounds strange to them, the concept of not being in body. But then when you start thinking about the way that we can fall into functioning on autopilot, just not really fe- feeling that disassociation right and so when you start doing the work with um your clients and they start coming into themselves and they start coming into that sense of being here what have you noticed then happens when someone finally it clicks like i am here i'm in this thing because i imagine it could have you know and even through the work I've done, there's two different ways it could go. So could you talk about this a little bit? Yeah, it's either feels really good and present or it's deeply uncomfortable for right. a while as they adjust to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about people don't often realize they're in, not in their body. You know, in our culture, a lot of people work out, we're all very health oriented and, um, and I'll have women who will be like, no, I'm really in my body. I work out every day, right? I only eat this. I have no gluten and no sugar. <laughs> but in fact, it's more about your relationship to your body. And right. if that exercise and that eating feels kind of like restrictive or uh, it can sometimes even lapse into self-punishment, 
uh, then that's not that's not actually embodiment, right? It's yeah. not actually listening to the messages your body is 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 telling you. So being healthy is not the same thing as embodiment. Um, and then yes, there's a lot of times it depends on someone's level of disassociation and the reasons for it. If it was trauma based, it can be really uncomfortable. This gradual process of becoming more and more embodied, it has to be done gently sometimes even in phases, sometimes it's really a whole new way of living. Um, But as someone moves through that, and then it's for some women, it really is a feeling of coming home. And I think for all of us, eventually it gets there. It gets to that place of coming home. But there has to be a deep sense of safety and resilience uh, coming up from that root chakra that is enforced over and over. Because what disassociation is really feeling like this body's not safe. So I'm not going to stay completely in it. So that feeling of safety is the most important thing and just creating that safety over and over and over. Yeah. And I like what you say, because it's also bringing back the point where you're talking about the chakras really pointing to that, that balance between body and spirit. Right. And uh, when you say the healthy thing, that's also so interesting. And I've had lots of conversations with people around this specific to the chakras as well, that, say we are, you know, people will say, oh, for the root chakra, I need to eat healthy. I need to hug a tree. I need to do all these things. Right. But the relationship part that you mentioned, I think is crucial because what if you are on this healthy diet, but you are um, resenting that this is what you have to eat, or you are still saying, you know, um, uncaring things about you into your body. And it's like, it's not just the physical action that's going on, but how do you then bring in the emotional, the spiritual components in how this all works together? So I'm really glad you said that. And I wanted to ask about that as well. So in this process, you go through those layers of the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on where I'm meeting someone, right? If they're right. on an exclusive spiritual path or it is more health oriented to them. Yeah, so we're really, I'm really working individually. And what I work with a lot is helping people feel emotions in their body. Just basic somatic work is the starting point, I feel, for embodiment. Just someone will be telling me a story. And a, a, a number one way that we all disassociate is we get into the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I had this fight with my husband yesterday, and this happened, and he said this, and I said that, and you know, <laughs> this is the whole narrative. And, and it's really very much in the head, right? Mm-hmm. And so then if, if that's what they want to work with, say in that session, if that's what they're feeling is relevant, he made me feel this way. I felt that way. I'll be like, okay, where do you feel that in your body? Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where we start. You felt resentment. You felt hurt. Where do you feel in your body? For some people, that's really hard. They'll be like, okay, well, my shoulder's hurting today. Is that what you mean? No, where's the emotion you feel in your body? Right? And once you make that click, it really shifts a lot of things. Oh, it's this. And, and I work with another modality also in addition to the chakras, this Tibetan Buddhist faith modality called feeding your demons, which is through my own personal teacher, Lama Sultra Malioni. And, and partly the reason I migrated to that is because she starts her process exactly the same way. Where do you feel it in your body? How big mm-hmm. is it? What color is it? What does it feel like, you know, as an energy? And that I start a lot of my work that way. Um, and then I think we're also working with shame is so big when it comes to the body or what's your relationship to your physical urges? Do you view them as disgusting? (laughs) Do you view, you know, as a problem? Do you view your cycle as a nuisance? 
right? All that kind of stuff has to be impacted. Where do you feel that in your body and trying to release that with, with light? Um, yeah, so that's kind of where it goes. If, if we get into spirituality, it becomes even more important if someone really views themselves on an awakening path, which I view us as all of us being on, but <laughs> people have different spiritual proclivities. It's really about uh, relating to the spiritual path, not as one of transcending the body, but as one of awakening the body, right? right? And a lot of spiritual paths oriented around this feeling of, I have to transcend the body, transcend the ego in order to awaken, as opposed to, no, I'm awakening my body and awakening my ego. That's what we're trying to do. So it's making that shift, which is a big piece of it as well. Yeah. And it's, well, one thing I have to tell you, it's funny um, what you mentioned. It reminded me of one of my Reiki teachers. That's actually a certain technique that they taught was when people were holding emotions in the body, like getting them or having conversing with them to see where it's being held, giving it a shape, giving it a feeling, even giving it a sound and then working, uh, kind of, um, deconstructing that way. But yeah, and that is very powerful work, but I wanted to ask you too, because, you know, a lot of times when we may say, say we are identifying with like, okay, I have a trauma, there's work that I have to do, or even if we don't, I mean, either way, whatever, whatever brings people in the, to this work, have you found that through working with the chakras, through coming into body, into body, through connecting with emotions and these things, that there are all these ahas or realizations about overall patterns in their life? I mean, are people starting to really kind of like put the puzzle together, so to speak? Yeah. And I think what happens is you discover the layers of emotions or reactions. Mm-hmm. So someone may come in and they're really concerned about anger. Oh, I'm just angry all the time. And they think anger's the problem and they want to work. But we get to the anger and as we go deeper into the situations in which anger is triggered and feel it in the body, well, of course it's protecting hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's a defense mechanism to uh, protect against fear. Uh, control patterns are the same way, right? Someone might feel like they're very rigid, they're very controlling and you get underneath it. It's anxiety based, right? It's a way of managing anxiety. So it's like getting underneath these layers Often, I think the most common seed you find at the very bottom is feelings of unworthiness. Yes. And that's the one I feel like, especially like all the way down, it's often all the way down in that second chakra, like there's this feeling, this very fundamental feeling of badness that really just needs to be seen, brought up in the light of day and seen for what it is and healed with love. And that one is just, it's just about self-love. It's that simple, right? Yeah but you really have to see it. You really have to kind of go through this process of really seeing it. Just saying, I love myself, I love myself, doesn't work until you've really like seen how it generates so many of your thoughts and emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's kind of this layering process, I think, as we work. Yeah, I think that's really a fascinating part of the work, exactly what you just said, because a lot of us, again, are unaware of the stories that we may be holding around our worthiness. And a lot of people associate that, again, with very particular things, not recognizing there are so many ways that we may be self-criticizing or not feel good enough and the stories that they are attached to and how far back they may be in our history, but so present (laughs) within our field. So yeah, I I think that is powerful work. So I want to make sure though that we 
because we've talked a lot about the process of it all, but I want to make sure that we get to know more about this book. Because okay. again, I think it's um, very interesting. I haven't heard anyone talking about chakra work in this particular way and through these five cycles that you have. So could you tell us about the book? Mm -hmm. The book is actually tr structured around 12 chakra empowerments or activation processes. And the first seven are mapped to each of the first seven chakras that we, you know, most of us are familiar with in the West. And then the last five are multi chakra activations. One is for boundaries. One is for relationship line management. One is for self healing. And, and the last one is really for manifesting, right? Um, connecting with abundance in our lives. And then the, the, another one is the feminine pathways. And so it's really, that piece of it is really just laid out like the chakras. And then within each chapter, I'm talking about how a woman, what conditioning, uh, emotional and psychological patterns may, may most inhibit the expression of that chakra, right? Mm -hmm. And then later in the book, talking in the context of these five cycles, what is related to that and how you can utilize that within your cycle. So there's kind of different levels you can come into the book. Someone new to the chakras may just focus on the activation piece. Someone already familiar with them is gonna be more interested in the, the, the women's feminine energy body piece of it, right? Because that's the piece that's new. So I'm trying to make it for different levels of background because there's a lot of great chakra books out there, right? So I'm trying to, and a lot of great feminine empowerment books. Empowerment books so I'm trying to put it together yes. and you've got, two different levels, but it's laid out according to very much a how to book, 12 tools. And each chapter is focused on how to use this tool and it's got all the steps. And then the book website is going to have recordings that go along with it too. So if people want to listen to the activation process, they can do that part online. So I want to ask you this too about the uh, menstrual cycle process. Cause you mentioned the different, um, feelings or experiences or expressions we may have in that cycle. So are there particular um, phases that we all go through or is it more of as an individual, you may have this different expression throughout? Mm -hmm. I think we all have this feeling of opening and closing, but we each experience it with different levels of intensity. Mm -hmm. And actually that can change over the course of your life as well. And if you're on hormonally based birth control, that, that impacts it as well. So there's different expressions of it. And really, you know, the, we've already talked about this moving outward and inward, and it's about learning to, to honor that. So I actually have different meditations that I recommend someone do if they can at each part of their cycle. Right. But even just acknowledging the cycle and going, oh, um, today is a day where I'm at the height of my creativity. I'm just gonna spend five minutes writing today or talking into my, I have no time to do anything else, it's a busy day, I'm gonna spend 10 minutes just talking into my voice memo on my phone about ideas that I have because I'm gonna have this ability to do that. Or when you're in this inward phase, I'm gonna spend 10 minutes today just alone, trying to have this sense of being self-contained, that's all I can do today, but it's better than nothing, right? And even just honoring it, it that much can really change things for you. It changes your psyche and your relationship to your cycle in a whole new way and you become more and more uh, adept with it. I, I haven't met any women who really feel like they don't experience this cycle at all. Certainly women experience it in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, 
women who are highly empathic or intuitive, it mostly has to do with their cycling along those lines. And their most empathic and intuitive time is right before and during their menstruation, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they learned, to, they learned to use that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it, well, it's funny. And I'm so interested in reading this part of your book because um, my friends and I have had a lot of conversations around all of this lately. And what I've noticed in our group of friends, everyone tends to say what they are like right before their um, menstrual cycle begins. And like, for me, I get really goofy right before, like, that's how I know. I'm like, oh, I want to do cartwheels. Oh, I know it's about to happen. I get really goofy. And then again, like I'm starting to pay attention to what I'm like during and then again on the other side, right? So it was really interesting to hear you say like that charismatic aspect that happens during ovulation because I'm thinking back, I'm like, ah, oh, makes so much sense. But I think that um, just even that section alone, I mean, so interesting. And I think that would be very helpful to so many of us. Yeah. And it helps to become more embodied because it, it um, enables you to pay more attention, not just to what's going on physically, but what's going on energetically. And just that awareness is part of embodiment, right? Relating right. to your body in a different way. Yeah. Instead of fighting against it, because yeah. I think of a very, another important part of that, what you mentioned, I think of, you know, as a teenager, hating being a woman at least once a month, right? Like, yeah forget about relationship with my body. I hated it. <laughs> I was like, why? You know, this is terrible. And I think about now, you know, having a different relationship with myself, but my cycle being a big part of that, a big part of my relationship to my body and what a change that has made. So again, I think this is um, such a great conversation for so many to hear because I think, again, it's one of those things we may not even consider. Yeah. And it's interesting because I have three teenagers, two of whom are girls. And in other cultures, there used to be and still are in some cultures, this real celebration of your first menstruation, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really celebrated as a coming of age. Most of us do not get that in this culture. And frankly, my older daughter would have killed me if I did that. So, <laughs> you know, she's not into it. But it's okay. But it still needs to be, you know, I think there's a lot we can do um, with young women, in, in at least in terms of really helping them feel like, wow, this is part of the magic of your body. This is how life is created. Whether you to choose to do that with your body or not, that is the energy running through you. This is the uh, activation of that, and it's a magical thing, right? And that's mm -hmm. kind of the message, and that's what we each want to think every month. Uh, and most of us don't or didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, then even going into the next phase, and this is what I was telling you, another thing like my friends and I have talked about in the background. For me, it started with, I have a, um, a client who is, oh, gosh, I just love her so much. And she knows that I am, um, I'll be 43 in January. So because of my age, earlier this year, she sent me an article about perimenopause. And she was like, I'm sending this to you because no one told me. And so she's like, I mean, I don't know where you are and your, you know, process. And she's like, but it's just something good for you to know. So I'm talking to my friends. I'm like, what is this? Like, what? <laughs> what? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think um, these conversations are so exciting to me to see that they are starting to be had, you know, younger generations, they are way more open and having these conversations in ways that we really, we didn't. And no one told us 
any of this, of these different cycles that our body goes through. So one, I want to thank you for including this in your work, because I think it's so important. But also, was that part of, well, I want to ask, what inspired for you then that life cycle component? You know, really, I had totally ignored my own cycles until I had my first child. And I had a health crisis, which I had never had before afterwards, that forced me to really look at it. And my history before that is I was on a very serious spiritual path from the time I was in college that was kundalini and chakra based. And I'd become very adept. I was not yet a healer. In fact, I worked in technology, and, but I was studying healing on the side. I wasn't working in that field yet. But my personal path was this very serious chakra and kundalini based path. And I had become really adept at entering into... I guess you could say samadhis or states of light that I could, you know, bring about really at will through various practices, right? So then I have my first child and my whole energy body crashed afterwards. I had a lot of energetic pro uh, problems. I couldn't meditate and I was trying to figure out what was going on, right? And that caused me, triggered me to read more about, really seek out women's energy body teachings. Like, why am I experiencing this? I thought I knew the chakras and Kundalini inside out from every perspective. And what I found was a lot of teachings out there in older texts on variations in energy bodies, especially in tantric traditions of Hinduism and Tibetan Buddhism, uh, various shamanic traditions, uh, Native American teachings, womb-based sorcery traditions. I mean, all of them really had a lot of information about womb, womb energy, what happens when you have a child, the energetic adjustments, the phasing of how that shifts. For me, I had been so used to being up in the upper chakras and all my energy just went, mm. and I couldn't, and it also cleared a bunch of things that pushed a lot of stuff to the surface I hadn't uh, dealt with. Um, I would say past life persecution for one thing. And this right. is something that happens. That second chakra birth is actually a huge release of energy that can push things that have been blocking there out, right? And I think that sometimes contributes to postpartum depression is an ener these energetic shifts and releases. So that's what really triggered it for me. And I had my children late. I was already 38 and 40. Now I'm 53. I'm already, I already went through menopause, right? So then right after I had my children, I was in perimenopause. <laughs> so then I'm seeking information about that. And then I was through menopause. So it was kind of just this whole 15-year period of one um, women's energetic topic after another being personally experienced. And it totally reshaped my thinking around it. Wow. Yeah. And again, I, I guess you know, the beauty in it is that these conversations are being had because, you know, yeah. a lot of women have gone through these things and probably didn't have any resources, like where would they have gone? Who, who would they have spoken with to have understanding? So I think just, um, but even beyond just the physicality of it, that's the part that I think is so uh, interesting and fascinating that now it's being looked at how our energy comes into play around all of this and how it all ties in with our emotions and these things. So the, the different cycles of life, I think that's a brilliant piece that you brought into to look at our chakra system as well. So I want to ask you this. So then when we move into like what some may say, like our crone wisdom or after menopause and these types of things, one there's two parts to this because I when you just shared what you shared it made me think of a client who her her 
interaction with her intuition became very different after having her son, right? So have you found with the work that you're doing and with people that you've worked with, even those aspects like our intuitive ability or even again, maybe our expression or connection with emotion, do those all kind of go through these stages with us? Or yeah. is there like this where we're repressing it? Like maybe we're in our fifties, but we're stuck in like, you know, yeah, a cycle that was previous. I think it's both. And it really depends on what prior work someone has done when they come into a particular phase. Mm -hmm. So perimenopause is this great opportunity for there's a lot of energetic releasing. There's spontaneous Kundalini releasings happening. I think those play a role in things like uh, heat flashes, which medically we don't really have a lot of explanation for, right? The chakra system always in Ayurvedic medicine was linked to the endocrine system, which includes our hormones. So there's all these links at that level, right? right? So in perimenopause, you're going through this instability on both the physical and energetic level, and it's a great opportunity. And I think I mentioned to you in our pre-interview, there's also astrological significance because there's this woman, I forget the name of her name, but the book is called The Liquid Light of Sex. And it's really about Kundalini and this, the Uranus opposition that occurs around between 41 and 43 years old, which I feel for women is, well, for both men and women, kicks off this perimenopause phase. For men, it's not quite perimenopause, but it's <laughs> crisis, right? You know, that Kundalini is that energy of spiritual growth and Uranus is the considered the planet of kundalini within the astrological system so this opposition kind of initiates this whole phase of our life which can go on for 10 years right of this process if you go into that phase of your life and you've done very little work on yourself i find it's usually more difficult that is when people often experience sometimes a real crisis at that point in their life real external life changes uh, sometimes it's corresponding for women to empty nest, right? All that yeah. kind of stuff. And then it's like that becomes the birth and the germination of their spiritual journey is that period in their 40s. For women who've already come in doing a lot of work, it's this opportunity to everything, everything that is, has been let, that has not been seen yet in my experience will be brought to your attention in some way, shape, or form through external events, physical issues, energetic experiences, and it's an opportunity to meet each one with whatever modalities you use and liberate it. Mm -hmm. And then when you enter into your crone stage, you're just, it's just this flowering into, which is what it should be, flowering into more and more and more personal power and your expression of the light in the world and what you're here to do and your purpose. And we view aging exactly the opposite. A woman aging is like, <laughs> you know, your value culturally is going down because you're wrinkled and you have a, a you know a um, muffin top or whatever <laughs> right around your waist and so but it's really exactly the opposite on the energetic level you're on the rise and that's what can really happen in perimenopause but you have to really sometimes fight your way through all the cultural messaging that is being told that you're losing your value yeah and I, it, you know that's a really Great point. And I think, um, too, that's why it's so great that a lot of people are coming into their own authority and reclaiming the self and um, just not necessarily relying on what old cultural standards 
have been. Um, so that's an exciting, I think we're living in such an exciting time for like just so many reasons. But what you just said about um, Uranus, you made me think of too in my own path around my Saturn return, I'd say it was like kind of like a initiation into this line of work for me. But of course, at the time, I had no idea. At that time, I didn't even know what Saturn return was, but hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. And I think of how fortunate I was that I paid attention to Mm -hmm. how life was kind of paving a way, as well as, you know, I was trusting and following, not really knowing what or why. So you make me think of um, the the layers of patterns and the systems of patterns, but how even beyond just, you know, the physical transitions, the energetic transitions, and then we have that layer of universal transition that's going on for us. And yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to thinking about that in correlation with your work, because I think all of it gives us like uh, more depth of understanding, a bigger picture of understanding what all of this really means and the other piece of it is that we're living longer than ever i mean life expectancy half of what it was now a hundred years ago so at at menopause perimenopause and menopause we're still only halfway through our life our generation you know is expected to live to 100 we have this whole other phase of our life the second half of our, our life which didn't used to be the case so it is also a new frontier in that way, that how is this, um, in a way, the spiritual, I mean, the, our whole life is the spiritual phase of our life, but this real flowering uh, of awakening and of light and of bringing it through us in whatever way it's meant to come through. And I think normally what happens, or unfortunately what happens, is as we age, the default is to become more and more fixed and rigid and unchangeable, right? Like mm-hmm. an old dog can't learn new tricks. that idea, right? right. And it really should be exactly the opposite. As your, as your energy, it's like more light is coming through you and you become more fluid, more open, more of a conduit for fluid energies, if that makes sense, as opposed to more fixed. So if you're not just tied to your physical body, that can happen. So you have to, that's really, I think what perimenopause and menopause is, is this opening into that. And midlife transit for men too. I think it's harder for men because partially because they are rooted in the root chakra, they tend to be more static. So it's even more important in midlife that they are paying attention to fluidity and bringing forth their own second chakra energy at that time. I think one of the things I'm most enjoying about this conversation is I think a lot of what you're sharing points to looking forward to these upcoming cycles that we're all going um, to encounter rather than having this, you know, fear or resistance towards aging and the the just looking at the physical part like you said but i have to say one thing i've noticed is a lot of people who do energy work and are doing emotional work of these different layers there seems to be a a different type of physical radiance about them even mm-hmm. and they're aging differently, I guess, than what we would have seen with our grandparents and great grandparents and these things. People are aging differently. And I think especially um, now, again, with these different components of work, it'll be interesting to see how that shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're paying attention to that mind-body. Well, mm-hmm. and I really believe that the essence of all of us is light. So if you're focused on just bringing that out, right, like that's what you see. 
you know, yes. when I see you, I just see all this light coming out of you, you know, and that's kind of what you see even more than if there's wrinkles or whatever, totally. Um, you know, and that's what you relate to in yourself too. And, and then that's where the embodiment comes in. Oh, your body's what makes that possible. Like that is in a way, your whole body's a chakra that's bringing yes. light, you know, and that's, that's really a beautiful shift to occur as well. So yeah. that is, it comes back to that shift around our relationship to our body, aging, everything everything and a lot of it is cultural shifts that really need to happen no absolutely and i love what you said too because i think that's an important thing for people who may struggle with the idea of coming into relationship with their body especially because just like you said there is a lot of focus on just the upper chakras right and i mean there are so many reasons of why that can send you into a tailspin and just whatever but really recognizing that this this vessel is what's giving you this opportunity to navigate this energetic realm and these other just layers of life experience, but how important it is to be here so that you can manage it all instead of being swept away yeah. by whatever it may be. Yeah. Being in a body is an opportunity, right? It's such a precious opportunity. And so, yeah, if you really are relating to being in it as an opportunity, unfortunately can feel like a trap right or like you're limited or boxed in if you only relate to it that way you're missing a very precious opportunity to grow and learn and experience because it's also through our body that we experience all the good things right yes and I have to say this too Lisa I'm so thankful that we have this conversation because I think another thing you highlight with your work are the transitions within transitions, right? So we could think of, you know, these different life transitions. I think you mentioned our menstrual cycles. If we go through pregnancy and perimenopause and, um, I mean, uh, postpartum and then going on, but even with the aspect that you mentioned of the cycle within the menstrual cycle and realizing that we're transitioning like all the time right so yeah I, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on your book and I wanted to ask you about this so everyone knows first where should we go to learn more about your uh, book and your body of work yeah well the book is available on Amazon so you can look you can search in there for chakra empowerment for women it's also available at Barnes and Noble and through the publisher Llewellyn, but I have a book website called Chakra Empowerment for Women, and right now, um, the book actually releases December 8th, but it's uh, on pre-order now, it's available now, and I'm doing a web seminar in January that corresponds to the book for, for women who want more guidance going, going through it and working with it. Um, then my client site is Enlightened Energetics, and my blog is Mommy Mystic, so I'm all over the place, <laughs> even though it's not Mommy anymore, my blog is Mommy Mystic. And, uh, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and all that, I'm there as Chakra Empowerment. So you can look, there's a book page and Instagram page and all Beautiful. <laughs> so the Chakra Empowerment um, for Women, this book is available for pre-order, but it actually releases in December. And then there's the corresponding webinar in January, 2020. And I believe I read that's a seven week process. Correct. Yeah, I'm actually a seven session and I'm doing okay. it two weeks apart. So it's 14 weeks. I really wanted it to be this very intensive three month support to take you through a real transformation through the work, right? It's one thing to read the book, but if you really want to go deeper, it's this process of really going through it in depth 
doing two of the tools every week and going beyond what I can cover in the book and answering questions, right? It's a Zoom class so we can answer questions and have a forum and all that kind of stuff. So it is, it's all recorded if someone can't make it live, but it's over the course of 14 weeks. Okay. And I have to ask you about this, even though maybe you'll come back to talk about it. You also have another book that will be coming out next summer, correct? What? Yeah. So it's the art and science, the yeah. art and science of meditation, which this is one of my favorites. And it's funny. I didn't even realize to right now, something that you said earlier, and I started thinking about telomeres and whatever, but so what is this book? Um, who is it for? Let's, I just want to start there. Who will this book be for? And um, when can we look for it? That's in July, also through Llewellyn. They asked me to write it initially for a series called Beyond Beginners. So it was supposed to be Meditation Beyond Beginners. And I was hesitant because I'm not a guru and, you know, all of this stuff. But I've meditated for 35 years. I do, I do um, you know, teach meditation. So I wrote it from that perspective. As a practitioner for 35 years, what would I want to have next to me? Mm. And it's meant to be a guide really for people who already meditate but who want to delve into it. Maybe they've encountered challenges. Maybe they want to increase the frequency or intensity. Maybe they want some guidelines on the levels of meditation. So I go into from both Hinduism and Buddhism, the different two models of the levels of meditation that I think are applicable to anyone who meditates, even if they don't study within those traditions. So yeah. that's kind of the, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is create a resource. There's a, an increasing number of people who meditate but it may not be within a particular spiritual tradition. And I think this book is really written for that population. Yeah. And I think um, it does make a difference. I have to say, because when I first learned to meditate, I took a class and it was uh, focused on um, some Taoism and Taoist um, practices. And then uh, later in between I did and learned other variations of meditation, but then not even that long ago, maybe a year or two ago, I decided to go through a, a Buddhist lineage and learn meditation in that way, which was, <laughs> it was much different. Even for someone who had meditated for years, it was like, whoa, okay, this is like a whole new ball game. So I am really looking forward to that book as well. And just so everyone knows, if they do go to enlightenedenergetics.com, they can see all of your work there, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. that's my client session work and it links to the book website and, and the blog. Yeah, I'm trying to get all that straightened out. So, but yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's where I saw the upcoming book too. So I was like, oh, okay, she has more coming. Maybe she'll come <laughs> back in the summer. Time, but thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I really am looking forward to reading um, <laughs> this book, The Chakra Empowerment for Women. And don't forget her name, Lisa Erickson. Go to enlightenedenergetics.com to learn more about the book, her work. Um, I'm sure this interview is something you want to share with your friends, <laughs> your community, because it's a, a very important conversation. So Lisa, I want to thank you so much for coming today and sharing with all of us. Thank you so much, Yolanda. It's been beautiful. And I really appreciate your spirit and all the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. And for everyone else, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Okay, so I want to say thank you again to Lisa Erickson for coming to share her work with us here on Reiki Radio. And be sure to learn more about her work at enlightenedenergetics.com 
the website is down in the show description. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to go to Apple Podcast and rate and review the show. It really supports us and having all of these amazing guests come and share their work with us. I also want to remind you that there is the new moon in Sagittarius tomorrow. And I know that some of you like to do new moon ritual or set intentions during these beautiful energies. And if you want to learn more about that or how, you can download my free Creating with the Moon and Stars by signing up for my newsletter at theenergeticalchemist.com and you also get access to some other free downloads. So I thank you all so much for being here. I'll see you next week and remember to always journey in love.